The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are especially in the right place today. We've got some really important insights and information to share with you in a great panel. Let me get started. The buzzword today is three. That's right, I said three, let me explain. Your company may have already implemented, at least partially, a three lines of defense model. Now, if you don't know what that is, stick around because my expert panelists are going to explain it. It's all new to me. So when you're faced with technological challenges such as getting the most effective tools or integrating your various systems, the process can be time-consuming and it can be reactive. What would you rather do in your company? Take a lot of time and react or would you rather have an optimized process and be proactive? I think the latter. I think you would all answer that. You may be asking a couple key questions about this three lines of defense model. First of all, you might be asking, how can risk management activities coalesce, come together in a cohesive assurance program within the wider system of your internal controls? Very important question. It might seem unimaginably difficult. We'll help answer that today. And second question might be, what can you do to leverage technology to establish a three lines of defense model that gives you sound assurance supported by such as continuous auditing and other processes. And a lot more questions may come to mind. Let me get started welcoming my panel and we'll see where we go with this. First up, I'm delighted to welcome Ganesh Ram. He leads PwC's SAP Governance Risk and Compliance Team, which is exactly why he's here with us today. And Ganesh sent me a wonderful quote from, of all, I won't say people, of all characters, Yoda from the Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars. Now, here's the quote. Listen, everyone, because I think this is a mantra for life. Do or do not. There is no try. I love the quote. I've been using it with real people all weekend, Ganesh, and I don't know if anybody likes me because of it, but they're, they're getting used to this now. Ganesh Ram, how are you today? I'm good, Bonnie. Thanks for that. And like you said, um, that mantra is something um, that's very valid for all of our practical things like buying a house or driving a car, right? You do not try to invest in a house. Um, do it half-heartedly. So it's the same principle for the business landscapes. Why would you look at investing in the three lines of defense but do not take it to the full potential it could offer? And this is exactly the challenge that organizations have been thinking about over the last few years, especially as their um, business uh, landscape has changed significantly. You mentioned about technology. Organizations are disappearing at a rapid pace because of the technology advancements. There's complex third-party relationships to think about. Your supplier and consumers mm-hmm. are all interconnected in a massive uh, technology-driven landscape or ecosystem. So what does that mean to your business? How are you going to protect your business? 
And that is exactly the topic of the R, which is the three lines of defense. Um, and therefore, coming back to my quote, you either do it well or you don't do it at all. Uh, there is no in-between. Um, and I'll explain more um, over, the, over the R. Thank you very much, Ganesh. Good intro. Question for you. Are companies ready to do this? First question. Number two, what size companies are we addressing? Is this for what I love to call behemoth, big behemoth uh, enterprises? Is this for startups? Is it for everybody along the continuum of small to mid-sized businesses, which can also be very large? To whom are we speaking today, Ganesh? I think, Bonnie, this is relevant for every organization, irrespective of the size. And this is simply because businesses exist a, um, for a reason, and each business has its own risk profile. That could be your corner shop around the corner, or it could be the book behemoths that you mentioned. But each company, by definition, will take on some risk, because unless you take those risks, you cannot really achieve your objectives, uh, which could be financial, could be reputational, etc. So three lines of defense is really there to ensure that the business sustains all the challenges it faces over the course of its existence, these would change, and it is the ability to be agile to adapt to those changes and those risks that you're facing and to be prepared. You know, it's going back to the old scout motto about being prepared to manage your risk. Thank you very much, Ganesh. Good, good second intro to our topic. Thank you for answering my questions. Kevin Heckel is our second guest. He's the director at Deloitte & Touche LLP in the cyber risk services area. And Kevin sent me the following very interesting quote. Managing the risks we face today requires layer solutions, including security, vigilance, and resiliency. And I think resiliency is probably a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. Kevin Heckel, welcome. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you, Bonnie. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, join today's topic of discussion. And a little jealous, I have to say, of Ganesh's quote. I found that quite uh, <laughs> quite good and very applicable as well. So um, It happens. It, sometimes we get great quotes. and some, You know, sometimes we get inspirational quotes, Kevin, and sometimes we get very factual, on-topic quotes. And yours, I have to say, yours is wonderful, too, because I have a lot of questions. So why don't you explain the components of the solution, layer solutions you're talking about? Sure. I think, you know, a lot of my background comes from the implementation side. So I think as we look at that and apply the the three lines of defense concepts to that, we're we're trying to not only deal with the risks that we're aware of, but arm that uh, organizations with the ability to deal with uh, compromises that may happen, because obviously no risk and, and no control is foolproof, as well as then bounce back. I mean, we see almost daily or, or multiple times a day, even some bad days, somebody's making the headlines for all the wrong reasons. So a lot of that doesn't come down to a control failure. It comes down to the ability of that business to be able to react to that uh, and continue in business and continue to provide value to their shareholders as well as to their customer base. Okay. Kevin, I have a question for you. I mentioned in the, and you mentioned the word reactive. What does it take in general in the three lines of defense model? What does it take to go from reactive to proactive? What does it take from, to go from being not prepared to being prepared and optimizing? Is this a long stretch of education, of uh, perhaps retooling your processes, or can companies just start doing it the right way from the get go? What do you see? 
Sure. I, I think most companies follow a crawl, walk, run approach. So mm-hmm. certainly you're not going to wake up tomorrow and be the most uh, proactive if you're a reactive environment today. And also some of the technology challenges don't make that uh, a business reality either. I think it's quite a dynamic market and quite a dynamic challenge, um, but it is an evolution that uh, you know we'll continue to talk about today and, and hopefully hit on some of the technology advancements that are making it uh, more proactive in our monitoring and our approach to compliance and risk. Thank you, Kevin. That's exactly why we're here. And let's bring on my third panelist. He's no stranger to financial excellence with Game Changers. It's, I finally can pronounce his name, and it's Jerome Pounier. He is the Senior Director of Product Marketing for SAP GRC Solutions. And I'm going to read just one little snippet from the very long quote he sent me, and then Jerome will expand it. He says, the term three lines of defense appears to come from medical research. Well, that's interesting. Jerome, welcome. How are you today? Hi, Bonnie. I'm good. Very well. Thank you. Talk to me. Glad nice to have to you here. back, by the way. it's It's been way too long since you've been on the show. So talk to me. What is this all about? Medical research term getting into financials? I'm not sure I buy that. Talk to me. Yeah, well, I think it's just because um, the free line of defense originally, yes, was, was a medical term. It described uh, the external defense of the body, uh, like your skin, mm-hmm. your hair, etc., that protect you against uh, your environment. And it was also about uh, uh, antibodies and, and um, leukocytes in, inside of your body, the white cells. So it's all these different levels. And what I found interesting in, in, in that little story is um, that um, in, you know, the, the vaccines comes as, as something that helps support the freelance of defense of the body. That's why um, that that's I did a, I saw a little bit of a parallel with in the business when we talk about technology because that's where I'm in. You know, I'm on that side of, of the business. You know, helping mm-hmm. companies support their freelance defense approach with technologies, mm-hmm. and the technologies are a bit like the, a bit like the vaccines. Uh, they bring that uh, extra level of support that allow the body to uh, to fight against um, threats, against risk in the environment. Jerome, I was thinking while you're talking that if we think of a company as an organic entity, of a company that starts small and grows and wants to survive and needs to be healthy and needs to have these lines of defense, it makes perfect sense. You could probably write a a white paper or a blog about the hair, skin, membranes, and body fluids and then go into the inside, the white blood cells and the need for antibodies antibodies in terms of uh, protecting a company's finances. What do you think? Is that too much of a stretch or would that make an interesting article? Yeah, no, very much so. I think the, uh, certainly companies are a living organism. They have uh, lots of dynamics, and they they grow, and they uh, and they live, and they breathe, and they um, yeah, that's that's very much a, a good parallel. I think, however, um, the the body is a, probably a much more sophisticated than um, our technologies uh, today. So our technologies still have a lot of potential for improvements to become more performing because uh, nothing can replace in terms of the sophistication of, of the you know, human body and its defenses. I think it's, it's something that's really amazing still. Thank, thank you. Great quote and appreciate you doing the research. And I want to do a shout out to Karen Geraldo, who is one of our loyal tweeters here on this and, and many of our other SAP Game Changers radio shows. And she has shared on Twitter, everybody wants to see a charming picture of Yoda saying, do or do not, there is no try. It's from the Lifehack quote site. And Ganesh, you might want to go take a look at hashtag SAP radio when you get off the show and you'll see Yoda just looking so 
poignant and youthful and just saying this with poignant little eyes. Just very cute. Anyway, thank you, Karen, and thank you to Deloitte SAP for also joining us here at Hashtag SAP Radio. I'm going to circle back to Ganesh and then Kevin and Jerome, and it's time for me to ask a very difficult question, perhaps more difficult than even the topic today. The difficult question is, what are you drinking? What's in your cup today, or what are you planning to drink after the show? I'm going to ask each of you to tell me where you're calling from, the time of day or night it is right now, and what's interesting about what you like to drink. So, Ganesh, where are you and what's in your cup? Thanks, Bernie. I am in sunny London and it's the first sunny day after a long winter, so I'll probably be drinking a beer after the show. Um, nice cold beer. Um, and it's quite interesting reflecting on what Jerome had said because I was thinking about the after effects of the beer and the hangover the day after. And coming back to the immune system that you mentioned, Bonnie, it's about protecting the system so that you don't have these after effects. And you can't help it if you continue to drink, right? So this is all about protecting yourself as an organization to manage the hangovers of the risk. Okay, thank you very much. And that beer sounds interesting. Did you tell me the brand of the beer? I really would like to know. Is it generic or, come on, everybody orders something. What is it? (laughs) I'm going to go with a hand-pulled ale uh, from the local pub around the corner from office. Uh, Nothing to replace that, Um, you know, like my good old... Um, boutique or, you know, craft beer. Thank you very much. And let's turn to Kevin Heckel. I think you're in the U.S. today. What city and what time and what are you drinking or after the show? Kevin? Sure. I'm in Mason, Michigan, uh, in the eastern time zone. So it's about 1 o'clock my time. So I have a a few more hours before I'll join Ganesh for a beer. But uh, I grew (laughs) up in a summer job uh, making lots of coffee. And uh, I don't drink it now because of that. So I I am drinking uh, my fourth Diet Dr. Pepper of the day. The fourth Dr. Pepper. I have to ask you a question. We used to have a, a panelist frequently on many of our shows who liked to drink warm Dr. Pepper for breakfast, and he was from Texas. So do you drink it warm or cold out of the bottle? You put it in a glass with a straw, with ice? Give me a little more detail. Uh, I prefer not warm, but uh, pretty much addicted <laughs> to however it's served, but generally cold out of the bottle. Very nice. Thank you. Glad to have another Dr. Pepper fan. Jerome Pounier, where are you calling from? What time is it, and what are you drinking? Oh hi! Uh, I'm well. I'm I'm actually usually uh, also in London, like Ganesh. But today I happen to be in France, and where the weather for once is not as good as is I think in as in sunny London. Um, but um, in terms of drink, I'm I'm actually still at the office here, and it's very late. It's after seven p.m. Um, so I'm just drinking tea. But I think yeah, I'll be looking forward to drinking maybe wine after. And if I was in London, um, following on what Ganesh was saying, um, I actually live near the a, brew, a nice brewery which is called London Pride. And that might ah. be what I would drink if I was in London. But since I'm in France, I think I'll drink wine. <laughs> I, I think we expect you to. I appreciate that. By the way, uh, Jerome may know this, but Ganesh and Kevin won't. They only let Bonnie have water on radio show days, no caffeine, maybe after the show, but not before. I'll let you figure out why. Guess what? It's time for us to take our first break. Our topic today is a very interesting one, three lines of defense. If you don't know what it is, stay tuned. If you do, you're going to want to stay tuned anyway and hear the suggestions from my three guests. I'm speaking with Ganesh Ram at PWC, Kevin Heckel at Deloitte 
and Jerome Pugnet at SAP. And we're talking about how can technology help? Can it help at all? How can your company, regardless of your size, regardless of your maturity, regardless of what industry you're in, you need to know this, but most important, how can you get behind it and go from crawl to walk to perhaps run and become optimized and proactive rather than lagging and reactive? That's a tall order. We're going to think about it during the break and come back with an interesting opening for our roundtable with Ganesh Ram, who has the pleasure of leading off when we come back. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, happy to be here with another live edition of SAP Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio. If you're keeping track, this is Season 4, Episode 4, and we're delighted to be working with Chris Grundy and his team and bringing the series back over and over again. Great information. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back in about two minutes. Michael, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. SAP Simple Finance, powered by SAP, is a part of SAP for HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP Simple Finance draws upon innovative in-memory, mobile, and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more at www.sap.com forward slash simple dash finance. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. And we're back. Thank you for sticking with us. We're going to start off our roundtable with Ganesh Ram from PwC. And Ganesh, you told me in your notes before the show the following. You say it's worth reflecting on whether your focus is on what really matters from a risk management perspective and if investments in risk management and lines of defense give you the return that you'd plan for. So it sounds like it's time to just stop, look, and evaluate. Is that what you're trying to say? Ganesh, why don't you take us through this, please? Absolutely, Bonnie. I think uh, maybe just uh, to get our listeners up to speed, uh, I'm sure most of them are familiar with this, is to what are the three lines of defense, right? So every organization Mm -hmm. has what we call the management team and the team that runs the business. That is what is classified as the first line of defense. The second line of defense usually tends to be an internal audit or an oversight function that ensures that management and people are actually doing what they are supposed to do and doing it accurately and in the most effective manner. The third line of defense is something external. You know, and going back to Jerome's uh, perspective, this is about the external bit is where you get a doctor's opinion or an expert opinion from someone outside Mm -hmm. to ensure that your body and therefore your organization is performing well and to its maximum capacity, right? So with that background of the three lines of defense, what organizations typically tend to do is focus more on the management and not focus too much on the the second and the third line of defense. And this is where the reactive piece comes in. You know, when there is an issue, companies then start to work into, okay, what could I have done better? 
But imagine the scenario where you're actually anticipating all the risks that your organization could face and proactively plan for each of those risk scenarios. Again, going back to my quote, this is exactly what I meant by do or do not. There is no try because you cannot do this half-heartedly. You've got to be invested in this to ensure that you are getting the return on your investment as an organization through the three lines of defense. On the positive angle, what I've noticed and observed with my clients is that, um, you know, when you get it right, it actually works for you. It gives you the confidence to go faster. It's a bit like your, the brakes in your car. You know, you have the confidence that the brakes are working. Therefore, you can go faster. If you don't have the confidence, you'll naturally slow down. Think about that in our changing business landscape today. You cannot afford your business to go slow, right? And mm-hmm. if you do want to go at pace, then you need to be sure that all of your risks are covered. Thank you, Ganesh. Good opening. Kevin Heckel, I'd love to hear you talk to us about what Ganesh put on the table here. Thoughts? Well, I, I agree. I think the risk is, is becoming or is a board level uh, and a value driver now to businesses. I think for years we've sort of taken control and compliance um, as, a, as a necessary evil, if you will, and, and certainly controls for the sake of compliance is a noble cause, but it's not a business driver. It's not a value. It's a cost to the to the uh, overall compliant agency. So taking that sort of risk-based approach and that value and, and sort of re gauging every once in a while and recalibrating what are you doing and, and why are you doing it? Are you doing it for the right reasons? And candidly relying as well on the third line and those external parties to really weigh in and, and value that input that they have from an independent perspective um, helps you recalibrate and then drive business through your risk functions. And I think that's where uh, many clients are headed now, and I think that's the future of risk management. Thank you very much. Jerome Pounier, want to hear what you have to say. Join us, please. Yeah, that's a great point from, from Ram and, and also agree. But I would amplify that by also what happens now in the environment um, because uh, Ram was talking about, sorry, Ganesh was talking about speed. And um, I always get confused, actually, because I have a friend who is called Ram. And <laughs> so sorry, Ganesh, if I sometimes call you Ram. But it's, it's, it's Ganesh. And, and yeah, the element of speed and, and is really important also because there's a lot of, it's, it's, it's all about all the, the masses of data that increase exponentially around um, the business of, of, of your company. And, and how do you adapt to this and, and continue to effectively protect your, your business? And one of the things uh, I, I like to add is, is, is also the whole aspect of, of, of social media and the importance mm-hmm. of protecting reputation. Uh, because as soon as something goes wrong, you know, it, it goes so fast outside, you know, companies that have had um, some issues internally, there are leaks, uh, very typically um, or problems with customers or uh, all these different types of events and, and risks that they are faced with that can uh, turn into a, um, an event that becomes very public. So how do I also uh, protect uh, with all that's going on there, my reputation, uh, I think, is an element that becomes more and more important. Very interesting. You brought up social media. We we do many shows, uh, Jerome. You may know this on many of our other. We have 16 different SAP Game Changer series. We talk about social media. We talk about networking. We talk about social business. And we talk about reputation and how the public really owns the brand of any company today. Would you agree with that? It, it's a very strong statement. Thoughts? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously, social media and, and, and all the technology that we have now. I mean, this this is it's, it's obviously a way to promote the business. It it, it helps company in in one way uh, to to grow their business, but it's also um, on the other side, it can be very sensitive because if anything goes wrong, that it's also amplified mm-hmm. in a negative way. So always something to have in mind um, in terms of your risks. Yes, a new and kind of risk. Ganesh, talk to me. Ganesh. Uh, I was just agreeing with Jerome there, Bonnie, because uh, it goes back to what I said earlier, because it's about the business requires social media in this contract, but it comes with its risk. It's similar to that business will, you know, if it's going to explore emerging markets, there are some risks there, but it's also a great opportunity. So it is this classic old opportunity risk reward conversation um, mm-hmm. that is very topical to the boards of um, a lot of organizations. And how do you get the right balance? If I push too fast, if I drive too fast, I have a risk to manage. If I drive too slow, I lose a competitive advantage. If I don't do it well, I have a reputational advantage. So you can see how our organizations are thinking about it and need to think about it. Mm-hmm. But where do you find the balance? And that is, um, that is the art. And um, that's where um, you know, a lot of companies have used the GRC and the three lines of defense uh, model as a strategic advantage because once you know that you're set, your seatbelt is working, your indicators mm-hmm. are working, your brakes are working, then you can drive fast. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Once you get that vaccine, you see your doctor, you get all the tests, and you're healthy, you can go for another couple of, of uh, marathons. Uh, I was going to ask you, Ganesh, are CFOs sleeping anymore? You know the old phrase, what's keeping your CFO awake at night? The three lines of defense, once you get to that point, maybe the CFO, he or she, can sleep a little bit. But is this worrying them 24-7, or is there any respite from that risk, that risk-reward balance? What do you see? Absolutely. Uh, from what I've noticed, this, um, you know, it's getting more and more attention. And you know, I've had a lot of conversations with senior leaders in the business talking about you know, how do I get comfort and how do I get assurance that um, you know, my financials are right, that I am compliant with my regulations, that I am doing the right thing for, for the communities around me. How am I managing my strategic risk? How am I managing my reputational risk to what we discussed earlier? Um, so I think the reality is all of these finance uh, leaders have a good understanding of the risk. What they are struggling to piece is how do I get the maximum um, coverage or assurance on those risks? You know, how do I know that this risk is mitigated? You know, mm-hmm. how do I get insurance that this risk is covered? You know, and that's where the conversation usually tends to go. Not so much about the risk, because as an organization, you do know what your risks are. You um, you you would like to think so. Anyway, um, so how do I monitor those risks and how do I monitor those controls that help to manage those risks? That is what's keeping them awake at night. Thank you very much. Right, before I go to some notes from Kevin Heckel, uh, Kevin and, and Jerome, any thoughts on what I just asked Ganesh to comment on? Yeah, sure, this is Kevin. Uh, I'll just throw out there. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's an interesting question for the CFOs, and I think some of my clients are sleeping okay uh, mm-hmm. and some are really challenged, and that's because you know, every time they go to the board, just facing risk, it's it's an unknown, right? So, you know, if you expand into the social media aspects that you guys hit on earlier or cyber risks that are out there, there's always something around the corner. So I think that they might sleep a little bit, but every time they put their uh, head to the pillow, a new risk pops to mind that probably impacts <laughs> their ability to rest peacefully. <laughs> Thank you very much. Jerome, thoughts? 
Well, I don't want to expand too much on this, but I think also we can we could mention that uh, there's actually technology out there to to help our CFO sleep a little bit better because mm-hmm. I mean there is technology that can really help. But we'll, I think we'll talk a bit more about this. Um, I'm really thinking about the monitoring aspects of risk that uh, Ganesh was was mentioning earlier, but I don't want to necessarily go into much detail for now. I think we'll talk about okay. this a bit. Thank you very much. We do have plenty of time. Thank you. Kevin Heckel, I'm looking at your notes. Some interesting things here. You say, given the, re- given the cyber threats of today, businesses need to be able to respond to events requiring resiliency. And that was one of the key words from your opening quote that I thought was so important to the conversation, requiring resiliency within the business itself and the business's key relationships. So are we talking about partnership? You'd like to add your own? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a bit less familiar than Kevin to the, the cyber aspect. I mean, cybersecurity, um, although we, I have colleagues that work on these topics, uh, and that's a very important topic that we look at. I, I really see them as, as um, another of these types of risks that are becoming more and more sensitive um, and that we need to, um, you know, obviously integrate in, in, in the free line of defense approach uh, very, very closely. Um, and, and there again, I think there's technology that, that are available to help monitor these types of risk, um, which are related to, to obviously the, the way the business is, is being done and evolves today. Uh, that aspect becomes more and more sensitive. But I would really like to yeah, hear more what Kevin can, can tell us about it because I think he's, he's a bit more um, in, this, in this space. Maybe, Ganesh, you, you have a few ideas on that too? Yeah, Ganesh. Thanks, Jerome. Um, I think, Bonnie, to your point about the enterprise resilience, um, mm-hmm. that, that is very topical to uh, a lot of organizations. I think we discussed briefly that, you know, risks emerge all the time. It is a matter of how resilient your organization is to manage those risks and what comfort can you get from um, handling or thinking about crisis. You know, if you're the FD, you wake up tomorrow and you see on the FD or, you know, any sort of uh, newspaper something about your organization. What do you do? Are you prepared? You know, what steps have you got uh, that you can rely on? And this is all part of the immune system for an organization. And Mm -hmm. it's that resilience that gives confidence to the organization to go faster, quicker, better, more efficient. And that's what we need to think about. Again, cybersecurity, we all know that. Uh, We we use, you know, um, smartphones these days and, you know, tablets and therefore. So we're all well aware of what that could mean at a personal level. But what could that mean for an organization? Um, in the worst scenario, it could mean the, the end of an organization, um, you know, and that's pretty worrying. Mm, very worrying. And um, Kevin, I was reading a major statement from your notes and, and you were poof, gone. So we had uh, Jerome and Ganesh talk about it. But let me reread the statement and I'd love to hear what you have to say. You said in your notes, Kevin, given the cyber threats of today, Businesses need to be able to respond to events requiring resiliency, and that's the word from your opening quote I loved, requiring resiliency within the business itself and within key business relationships. So my question was, are these relationships partnerships we're talking about? Um, who are we talking about? And, and resiliency seems to me like the really key word here. No, I, I think it has to do with all of those relationships, both vendor, uh, customer, and, and just public facing, you know, I think the challenge gets to be being able to respond. Uh, you know, we're all familiar with risk-based approaches, and certainly that leaves, you know, valid risks out there. The issue is how do I detect that risk and then respond appropriately before 
I suffer the brand reputation or damage or a damage mm-hmm. losing a key vendor or a key customer um, or more broadly focused and, and end up in the headlines. So I, I think the resiliency is a fact of life today. Uh, I think it's a matter of time for those who, who haven't had an issue and, and they need to plan and, and be able to respond both publicly as well as behind the scenes to mitigate that risk and mitigate the damage internally and get back to a, a business as close to normal or to the new normal as they're able to. Thank you very much. Now that uh, now that Kevin is back, Gunnish or Jerome, anything you want to add? Everybody's good? Yep. Yeah, Everybody's good. Okay, we did that one backwards, Kevin. We started with you without you, did the topic, got the comments, and then we came in with you. I appreciate that. How bad are the cyber threats, Kevin? Talking back to, mentioning back to my um, my question a few minutes ago in terms of CFOs and their teams being able to sleep at night. Cyber threats, it, it's, it's still, uh, the bad guys are still outdoing, I think, outpacing, outrunning, and outsmarting the good guys and the good gals. So how bad a threat is this, and how much sleep does the CFO need to be resilient for the next day's potential cyber threats? Any thoughts? Um, sure. So so it's interesting. I, I watched a show on TV on occasion, a documentary around prison, and, and I'll use that similar analogy. The, the warden of the prison made the analogy that, look, myself and my guys work 8 to 10 hours a day trying to keep these guys in here. They work 24 hours a day trying to get out. So they have a certain advantage <laughs> of time on their hands. I, I think the cyber risk is real. I think that whether it be for you know, political reasons or um, you know, within the, the black hat market reasons, that there's a lot of incentive and a lot of effort that goes into um, continuing to elevate those risks and come up with the new challenges to either business interruptions or, or or worse, uh, compromises. So I think it's a very real risk. I think that the CFO should get sleep depending on uh, sort of how how well uh, controlled they believe that not only their attestation and control functions are, but their IT and their IT vendors, um, as well as their customers or suppliers that they have IT-connected uh, relationships with, because certainly all of those uh, could lead to some exposure and, and some sleepless nights for the CFO. Thank you. Ganesh or Ganesh or Jerome, any comments on what Kevin just added? Thoughts? Cyber threats? Yeah. Uh, well, thanks, Kevin. And I think um, to add on to that, um, it's the uh, planning piece as well. You know, if, if there is an event or a risk event, what do you do with it? And what's going to be your response? What's going to be your approach to, um, to manage that risk? Uh, because reality is, at some point, it might happen. And if it does, what are you going to do about it and how are you going to do it? Will 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 fundamentally define you as an organization and gives the confidence not just to the employees, but also to the customers and suppliers. So we're all in this interconnected ecosystem. We need to be confident that, um, you know, everything is in place to manage that. Thank you, Jerome. Anything you want to add before I move to some of your notes, Jerome Pounier? No, I think what is interesting is, is also that uh, on a human aspect, it, it really, this all broadens the, um, the competency spectrums of, of auditors because, I mean, they used to be really very focused on financial business and all that. And now they have to really have at least a good understanding of these, these more technical aspects and these, these cybersecurity and threats. And, 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 and then, of course, in, in their role in the free line of defense, you know, ensure that uh, the company has the protections in place 
has the right controls, also on the more technical side, to protect its system, to protect itself from uh, mm-hmm. these outside uh, intrusions. Um, so I think it's it's a really interesting uh, aspect of the evolution of of of, of the the people that support the teams that support the freelance of defense and really to have really really broad uh level of competencies and i could add to that uh i mean understanding of of you know social media and 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 these types of risks as well and all the the environment the the companies is operating in Thank you, Jerome. I want to move to some of your notes here. I know we want to talk about tools and technologies. Uh, you mentioned in your notes very much like the different stakeholders needing to work hand in hand. You're talking risk managers, compliance officers, internal control managers, internal auditors. You also have to ensure that the supporting tools, your risk control and audit management systems are integrated tightly. And yet you observe, Jerome, there's still a lot of fragmentation such as organizational challenges. So what is the big challenge for companies to make sure everything is tightly integrated and working for optimization? Yeah, well, it's especially uh, something that I've observed in, in especially large organizations that have lots of uh, tools and technologies to to manage compliance, different types of compliance in different geographies that they have, different lines of business that they have. They end up having multiple, multiple systems. And then, obviously, people that try to uh, have a more central view and, 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 and manage the, uh, the free line of defense approach, uh, I mean, they have to look at all these different aspects, all these different systems. It makes it really complex um, because of all this fragmentation. Um, so, obviously, in terms of technology, to be much more efficient in terms of supporting the free line of defense means unifying um, uh, governance risk and compliance systems, uh, making sure also um, audit management, for example, uh, tools that they have are um, integrated, uh, communicating properly with their compliance system, with their risk management system. It's really bringing things uh, in a more, much more unified, standardized um, platform uh, so that uh, that internal auditors, compliance people, risk managers can actually uh, also communicate on the same things because it's all about consistency of information. Obviously, when you have lots of, of different systems and it's very fragmented, there's a lot of inconsistencies and people find it difficult to work together you know, I'm on the risk side, I'm on the control side, I'm an internal auditor, what are we talking about? Um, and then we're looking at our systems, it doesn't tell us the same thing or we can't interpret the information um, uh, properly to, to have that dialogue. So the unifications of, of technology and the integration aspect uh, to support the freelance defense, I think, is very important. Jerome, I have a question for you, and then we'll bring Ganesh and Kevin into this also. Question is, how does a company know when their systems and their tools have gotten so fragmented that they're not getting the information they need effectively, efficiently, that things there's a bottleneck somewhere or it's just all over the map? How do you know when you've gotten to Because all good intentions, Kev, uh, uh, Jerome, I don't think anybody starts out saying, yeah, we're going to have a bunch of systems and everything's going to be all over the place and we're going to have silos and nobody's going to talk to each other. That's not the way it starts. So are there any red flags? Uh, from the GRC perspective where a company can say, OMG, we better do something about this. Time to integrate and clean this up. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, there are. There can be different symptoms and, and red flags, and 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 often it's when, for example, they they expand, they they buy a new company, um, and they say now um, they find that uh, to cover the the requirements in terms of governance and compliance of of bringing this company into the the overall system, they they're faced with a lot of challenges. Um, they find that the, the existing systems are not scaling very well, that it gives a lot of additional work, and they don't have the resources for it. So it's it's often the the pressure on resources the lack of resources and the lack of scalability of, of, of mm-hmm. the system as they grow. So so they are really hindered in the growth. Sometimes in the worst case scenario, um, the red flag might actually be something that happened that nobody saw because mm. it happened in, in this very complex system environment. There was an event, that, uh, a threat that wasn't detected. Uh, and then um, it, it, uh, it happens and, and creates a loss, creates a problem, creates a big issue. And um, yes, that's 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 how you you see that things could really be better. Thank you, Ganesh. Thoughts? Yeah, uh, I was just reflecting on what Jerome was saying, and you know, just a small anecdote. You know, if I go ask uh, any of my clients about their financial or sales numbers, uh, they, it's on top of their mind. You know, they're able to give it in nanoseconds or seconds. Um, but when you ask them about risk and controls, they usually have to call someone. They will shuffle their desk to find some papers and throw it at you. And that's, that's a great symptom for me because the data is not flowing through to, to the CFO or key decision makers in the organization around risk, which seems bizarre when you set the context about, um, you know, opportunity, risk, reward. You know so much about your opportunity and how your business is performing, but you don't have enough information or similar information about the risk you're trying to manage, that is a good symptom. And I would then, you know, going back with the medical phrase, ask them for a diagnostic. Kevin, thoughts? A lot going on here. Yeah, one thought. I think we're at a precipice here where risk is becoming no longer an Excel-based function, but an enterprise and tool-driven function, you know, even you know, looking at the SAP GRC suite, certainly the expansion of these tools allow you to take that divergent uh, system environment and bring it under one control and, and one umbrella and, and proactively manage it as such. So so I think the tools are evolving to really bring risk together no matter uh, how centralized or decentralized your IT structure is and clients continue to take advantage of that and, and will continue to take advantage of those solutions going forward. Thank you very much. I'm going to open it up to the whole panel now. We have 13 minutes left to the show, and we're going to save about two minutes apiece for two minutes for each of you to give me your predictions when we get to the crystal ball predict the future of this topic segment. So let's see. That gives me seven minutes. I'd like to open it up and see what else about this topic is so important that it needs to be part of this roundtable discussion. So I'm going to go back to Ganesh Ram. Ganesh, anything in your notes, anything from what you've observed? and the conversation so far that you think needs more emphasis or anything we have not covered yet that's integral to this topic? Yeah, I think uh, if I may add to all the conversation we've had so far, it is to also think about, you know, a lot of this is about communication. Um, Because businesses have been reactive around risk and compliance and control, they create silos within that organization. So a lot of getting GRC and seeing governance, risk, and compliance and the three lines of defense as a performance driver is a process of breaking down walls and opening up lines of communication and coordination and collaboration between these three silos. When you want to break down walls, you typically want to get everybody to be on the same page like you do in real life. And a way to get there is through 
an alignment in terms of what is your risk landscape as a business, understanding which of them you can't do anything about. For example, maybe um, you know, the risk that you accept as a business because there's not value in trying to reduce that risk. There'll be other risks where you say, okay, actually, I want to reduce that risk and actually have a plan to manage if that risk ever occurs. So it is this getting all the silos to talk about a common language um, helps. Um, and once you get starting on the common language, you then can identify where are we, where's the inefficiency, where are the gaps, what are the challenges in order to be a risk-resilient organization. And there comes that wonderful resiliency word. Uh, Kevin Heckel, before the show, you weren't sure about your quote, and I think that resiliency word has been a very important part of our whole conversation. Kevin, any comments on what Ganesh just just added or anything else you'd like to add? We still have time left. Yeah, I'd just like to highlight, and I think it's been brought up in, in mm-hmm. a few different contexts here, the need to be dynamic and, and evolve here. I, I think, you know, the entire genre of risk management, if you will, and the three lines of defense are certainly an evolving and growing uh, beyond the traditional let's comply and compliance control-driven organization. So we need to stay dynamic. We're, the changes and threats are on a daily basis. Businesses are changing daily. And candidly, we don't know what we don't know. So go back to Ganesh's point earlier. I think you know part of that dynamic approach needs to be assessing where you are and how do you adjust and how do you drive value from this um, I think you, you've also heard a thread uh, today that I'd like to reiterate around working collaboratively um, and mm-hmm. consistently across the organization. Too often we approach risk and control as separate silos, um, and we may candidly have a, a significant amount of overlap at several of my clients for different compliance purposes and really sort of working collaboratively across those operational layer in the line of defense and trying to employ a test once, comply many um, overall approach to this and reduce some of that redundancy will overall help you with your overall cost of compliance. Um, And then it also helps transition from sort of a compliance and risk-driven event within the operations to really seamless and transparent to the operation and and driving some value to the business versus the necessary evil that they've had to uh, undertake in, in years past. So, I think I'd like to make sure we stay dynamic and make sure we stay consistent and collaborative at that operational level. Thank you. Great advice. Jerome Pounier, let's open it up to you. Any comments on what Ganesh or Kevin added or anything else you'd like to? Let's see. We've got about four more minutes before we move into the crystal ball, and I have a question for the whole panel. But Jerome, first, any thoughts on anything missing from this conversation that our listeners really, really need to know? Yeah, I think I want to add something about the element of continuity because um, the free line of defense, pretty much like um, GRC in general, has, has been done in, in, a, in a pretty um, you know periodic way. So it's, it's 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 been seen so and still is sometimes you know seen as something that is being done uh, you know on maybe uh, once a month or a quarter or f- a few times during the year. Uh, you evaluate your risk, you look at your controls, and then, and then, oh, okay, I've done it, I've seen it, now I move to something else. And then something happens because you were not monitoring. So the element of continuity is very important. You know, really need to be constant, continuously monitor what's really going on. And I think that's also where the technology comes into play, because in the GRC world, technologies are quite, still quite new. I mean, tools that have been uh, mm-hmm. provided are, are pretty recent, and they're not as automated as other technologies that are used in, in the business. So they need to be uh, able to uh, monitor automatically um, risks and controls and, 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 and help 
um, the users to really have um, a, a view of what is really happening. And if anything happens, because it's monitored and then it appears, uh, it will be detected much more quickly and action can be really taken before it gets bad. So I think that's continuity is really important. Thank you, Jerome. Uh, let's see. We've got seven minutes left, plenty of time for predictions. But before we get there, I have a question for the whole panel. Ganesh, I'm going to ask you first, who is working in GRC today? Don't predict who's going to be in the next five or ten years. We'll make that part of the crystal ball round. But are millennials getting into this part of the finance organization? Are uh, I'll, I'll go out of the limb and say old-timers, are the, the boomers like me, are they still wanting to be part of GRC? Or is this what's keeping the CFO and his team awake at night too much for people who have seen too much change over the years? Or or who in between? So just give me a view, your, your point of view, your POV, uh, Ganesh, on who is in this field today. I think it's a mix. Uh, I deal with uh, people from, um, as you called it, I, the old timers, and all the way to, um, <laughs> you know, to really um, graduates from universities. And actually, some of these uh, graduates that I talk to are even more excited about the possibilities because they are okay. digital natives. You know, they've grown up in this uh, digital age, so they they fully appreciate the risk that's out there. And actually, these digital natives are the ones that are transforming. Um, the organizations that I see, um, because they're fully aware of it and understand it and want to do something about it. Um, this uh, sentiment or emotion then um, becomes very pervasive in an organization. So it's actually a bottom-up through these graduates and younger, if you would like to call it, um, staffs in an organization and uh, top-down from the board. So Pretty much everybody, every function in an organization is now starting to think about risk and how they're managing their risk because risk is not just in finance. Risk is in supply chain, risk is in environment, risk is in health, risk is in uh, um, marketing with regards to brand mm-hmm. and social media. So risk is across the functions, and there's a variety of people who are interested in this. Just an interesting stat uh, I read over the FT, um, Financial Times, over the last few a few weekends ago, um, ago that risk management is the fastest-growing industry in the last year. So, you know, anyone mm. looking for a job, this is the place to look at. That's what I was looking for. Okay, briefly, Kevin Heckel, thoughts on who's populating it right now? Yeah, sure. I, I think, you know, I agree with Ganesh, and I think it's populated from the bottoms up from a lot of the young, um, younger crowd. It's focused on growing up in a, you know, a new and changing dynamic. So risk and, and control is certainly part of our daily life and a reality. I think it's also top down driven from, you know, the old school guard, as you say, the, the boomers. Um, and they're just a very compliant, uh, nature. So, so they, they manage it from that way, and I think at the end of the day, we get to a similar answer. I think, candidly, we all should be GRC professionals. We all play a role in risk and risk management mm-hmm. for our organizations. And it, it, to be most successful, it should be as transparent as possible. So I would say the most successful organizations have all of their folks and, and even their suppliers and vendors involved in it, whether they know it or not. Good comment. And you know what? We're almost ready for predictions, but uh, Jerome, I'll give you uh, 30 seconds for your answer, and then we're going to quickly do not, we're going to do 45 second predictions after this. So, Jerome, who is populating GRC today? Agree with your co panelists or want to add something? 
Yeah, very much agree. It's really a mix, and and yeah, of course the uh, the young young ones bring the, the understanding of the new technologies, those new complexity, and I think the older ones bring the experience because you know it's all about being very. It's very much generalist. You know, being a good risk manager is being a good generalist. You have to have that broad view, and of course, experience there is is very valuable. Thank you. Some good information there for job seekers who are listening or somebody who knows a job seeker. Go into finance and GRC. Okay, 45 seconds each. Predictions, Ganesh Ram from PwC. I'm going to ask you quickly, if you fast forward to this conversation to the year 2020 or any time you see in the future in the crystal ball in front of you right now, what would you say is going to be different? 45 seconds, go. I think I would be looking at organizations having real-time data and insight into how the risks are managed, not just in their current geography, but across the globe, um, and using risk management to support their strategic priorities and increase stakeholder confidence, be it employees, uh, be it suppliers, be it customers, or be it even the regulatory bodies. So I see in the crystal ball a lot of transparent, visible data around risk management and three lines of defense in the next five years. Thank you, Ganesh Ram. Appreciate that. Kevin Heckel, talk to me. What do you see in the crystal ball? Sure. I I agree with Ganesh, but I predict in the next five years we'll even take it steps further. I, I think the analytics around the data, around risk data, around business data are going to continue to evolve and drive a very proactive and predictive analytical risk management processes. I think if you look at today where we are, you know, there's certainly targeted marketing and and a lot of data that goes into sort of the buy decision and and targeting the right customers and and getting them the right information. I think we have the data in multiple sources uh, from a risk perspective. You know, I grew up as an auditor where you know, we hope nobody ever had to look at the log files. Well, the simple fact is the <laughs> log files have a lot of value. It's a matter of mining that analytics and, and getting predictive in our nature and, and using that to our advantage from a risk and control perspective. Thank you. Well put. And Jerome Pounier, I saved 30, 45 seconds for you. You can take 45 full seconds. Predictions, go. Yeah, I'm very much in line with my co-panelists. I, I'm, what I'm seeing really is a much more real-time way of functioning in terms that touches the free line of defense, but other many other aspects of GRC is, is being able to um, to have you know use the tool that I've adapted to this context where everything is moving so fast, where volumes of data are explosive. The whole big data stories, you know, using those technology to to monitor what's going on in, in practically in real time. So as soon as, as something happens, the company is able to protect itself uh, from a threat. Uh, so I would say like real time free line of defense, if I, if I dare. If you dare. Well, that's what predictions are all about, going out on a limb. Thank you very much. I want to thank my three very articulate, very interesting panelists, Ganesh Ram at PwC, Kevin Heckel at Deloitte, Jerome Pugnier at SAP. We certainly went a lot beyond the topic. We started out with three lines of defense. Can technology help? But I think we ended up adding a lot of comments about infrastructure, organizational integration, about the people who are making this happen and some of the history and where we need to go. So great conversation. Thank you, gentlemen. Let's see a quick shout 
shout-out to series sponsor Chris Grundy, A.L., and to our tweeter today, our tweeter extraordinary, Karen Geraldo. Thank you very much, Karen, and to Michael and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. And quickly, let's see, this week coming up tomorrow, we have Transforming Your Business with Game Changers, followed an hour later by Business Innovation with Game Changers. Wednesday will be Coffee Break with Game Changers, and Thursday will be a new edition of Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. If you have any questions about all of our series, there are 16 in total, 11 are currently live. We're talking about May 2015 now. Just go to voiceamerica.com, click on the business channel, look at the schedule, and anywhere you see the coffee cup, that's us. So I hope you'll tune in and tell your business colleagues around the world about us. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It's been a pleasure hosting this edition, and I have a shouting, a shout-out call to action for all of you. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Signing off. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week. Music